This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Now, the show for discerning minds and common sense. We seek the truth and can think for ourselves. I'm your host, John Verd. Thank you for stopping by. I'll be here looking at the headlines, asking questions, and dropping truth bombs every Saturday at 10 p.m. Today, I would like to start or open with a quote from Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And with that, I'm asking the question today, who's checking the fact checkers? Well, me, for starters. And I'm sure some of you have asked the same question. Who's fact-checking the fact-checkers? In the age of the internet, we're flooded with more information than ever before. Some of you may remember a time before the internet. I feel extremely fortunate to have grown up pre-internet because it also gives me a lot of perspective. I can see what life was like before and now. And on top of that, my dad was a librarian. And uh, in the days when we had only one car, We'd go in early until he finished, leaving me to wander the aisles and explore. And I probably knew my way around a card catalog by the time I was eight years old. Uh, some of you may not remember what that is, but it's actual physical drawers with cards. You had to look up the book and then check the Dewey Decimal number to go look at what section of the library your book was in. Anyway, now it's just, uh, it's everywhere. It's in front of us. It's in our pockets, at work, in the home. You almost can't get away from it. I mean, it's like, you know, drinking from a fire hose. We're just so flooded with information. And yet, for all that access, we're being more and more directed and given tailored information, given customized search results or, or a curated experience, as a lot of big tech like to say. And worst of all, censored or being banned from expressing opinions. And by big tech and those who direct the political narrative, it's really getting dangerous. And it's so far left today, I think, you know, in the main, you've gotta be silly or not paying attention to argue otherwise. Everything is, has an extremely left bias. And if you're inclined that way, you might think that's great. You know, we always like to listen to those that we agree with. But that's not how a healthy society works. That's how a tyranny works. And I know in general, a lot of liberals will claim they want social justice. And you know, if you have to break a few eggs or constitutional amendments to create a utopian society, so be it. But the truth is you can have freedom or equality, but not both. Hate to break it to you folks. In a free society, some people will make good decisions and become successful 
and others will consistently do stupid things. When you try to force equal outcomes for all, you will have to deprive some people of their liberties and freedoms to choose. And then you have the problem of deciding whose definition of good are you going to force on the entire society? That's a dictatorship. And that has never ever gone well in the whole of human history. And if liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear, to quote George Orwell from his famous book, 1984. So getting back to the fact checkers, who gets to decide what we can hear or read? You! <laughs> In a free society, you get to decide what you want to hear or believe. You are your own fact checker, not big tech. The whole point of the internet was supposed to be about liberating information. Or was it? It was, at least until a decade or so ago. And now at an accelerating rate, organized authoritative fact checkers have emerged to help protect us from that harmful, dangerous information. You know, that may be fine for a parent to decide, you know, what shows their children can watch. I mean, that's, that's just common sense. But I stopped being a child a long time ago. <laughs> Big shocker there. You know, we're grown-ups here. I assume you are too. And I will give you the dignity of being able to make up your own mind. In fact, I tell people all the time, don't take my word for it. Question everything. You know, I may not agree with you. You know, you've had different life experiences that have shaped your worldview. And it's not up to the nanny state or big tech or me to protect you from information or misinformation, however you want to define it. And yet, that's exactly what we're seeing today. And it is outrageous. Did you hear the latest from Canada? Canada is now banning gatherings not to stop the spread of COVID. No, unauthorized information. I want to play you this clip because you might not believe me unless you hear it for yourself. I pulled this one from at New Grenada in a Twitter post in a report uh, titled No Longer About Health, Canada Will Prevent Groups From Gathering in Order to Stop the Spread of, quote, Unauthorized Information. Check this out. Hi there. Thanks for taking my questions. I'm wondering about the injunction um, banning public gatherings and whether they're really is a need for such a far-reaching one, given the trajectory we're on now? So, I mean, I think it's still there. We still have, uh, the you know, bringing lar large numbers of people together uh, it, it, it can present some risk. We'll, we'll continue to look at that. Uh, but I think the other purpose of the injunction is to, uh, is to uh, you know, prevent, uh, you know, groups that are spreading, uh, uh, deliberately spreading uh, false information that can, add by, by, can actually create risk. The information itself, if listened to, creates risk to the public as well. Well, so and that's that that certainly is a need to manage that uh, misinformation campaign as well. So that one really blew my mind. And I don't think there's any doubt that big tech and big government are very much on the same page on certain topics like COVID. 
And some people think that we shouldn't even question the government, but they can't even agree amongst themselves. And when even those in public office are being censored for asking questions, I think it's fair to ask why. That's how we learn the actual truth, not someone's version of it. That's how real science works, being curious, asking questions, testing hypotheses. And we have the right to express opinions in a free society. And if we're intellectually honest, shouldn't we be able to hear others' opinions without being threatened? As Voltaire is often quoted as saying, some say misattributed to him, but the quote, I may disapprove of what you say, but I will fight to the death your right to say it. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. We all have different opinions. That doesn't mean we can't get along. But uh, here's something you won't often hear me say. I actually do agree with something that Bill Maher recently said. If you know who he is, the American uh, former comedian and talk show celebrity and now news pundit, he's very liberal and left-leaning. But he said something recently about big tech censorship. And uh, I'd like to play you this uh, couple-minute clip for you. Uh, take a listen. Because I find this outrageous. Facebook banned any post for four months about COVID coming from a lab. Of course, now even the Biden administration is looking into this. Right. Google, a Wall Street Journal reporter asked the head of Google's health division, notice that they don't do, do autofill searches for coronavirus lab leak the way they do it for any other question. And the guy said, well, we want to make sure they're the search isn't leading people down pathways that we f would find to be not authoritative information. Well, you were wrong, Google and Facebook. Right. We don't know. The reason why we want you is because we're checking on this shit. He said, we want to ensure the first thing users see is information from the CDC, the WHO. That's who I'm checking on. The WHO has been very corrupt about a lot of shit, and the CDC has been wrong about a lot of shit. This is outrageous that I can't look this information up. And now they're doing it with this drug, Ivermectin. They threw Brett Weinstein off YouTube, or almost. They, he's one strike away. YouTube should not be telling me what I can see about Ivermectin. Ivermectin isn't a registered Republican. It's a drug. No. Well, I don't know if it works or not, and a lot of other doctors don't either. This dovetails into the monopoly thing, though. If you didn't have such control over, 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 I mean, searches, for example, this wouldn't be as much of an issue because if you didn't go to Google, you could go somewhere else. And you can go somewhere else. But when you have a market, what, what is it, 90% Google controls the searches? Like yeah, I mean, at that point, this is a function of the monopoly. When it becomes the word for doing it, you have a monopoly. Right. Yes. You know. Yeah, and it's like People if you People don't say, I'm going to bing something. No. It's like if you only had one newspaper, right? right. I mean, and then that newspaper has all sorts of responsibilities if they're the, the law of the land or the, or the official word. So, yeah, it's a function of the monopoly. All right. And, you know, Bill Maher is right here. Some of us have been asking this question for months. Did the virus originate from a wet market in Wuhan, like we've been being told for months when we first found out about it? Or was it from a lab? It's a fair question. If you're just tuning in, this is John Verd on Liberty Now On Air, 96.9 Plains FM in Christchurch. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes at Liberty Now On Air 
And you can get the links, files, and show notes for this episode at libertynow.com. Or was it from a lab? It's a fair question. So why censor people asking that? I think trying to cover it up only fuels conspiracy theories instead of helping to get to the truth. But at least now it's starting to get a little more in the mainstream. Even uh, the Biden administration in the U.S. is starting to investigate this. And surprisingly, even Jon Stewart, of all people, another talk show host and political pundit from the left that is talking about it. And uh, I've got to share this with you just because it's so freaking funny. Uh, Here's a clip of Jon Stewart on The Colbert Show. I'm going to play it for you here. Take a listen. When, when I interviewed you for it, you were talking about how little progress we've made in science in combating pandemics. Because in 1918, mm-hmm. the advice was wear a mask, wash your hands. That's right. And 100 years later, 103 years later, wear a mask, wash your hands. It was soul crushing to find that. I was really hoping that like in 1918, they'd be like, drink a tincture of mercury and butterfly juice. <laughs> like... You were, I was hoping it'd be like some bizarre thing, and I'm like, we've come a long way, baby. It's the exact same. How do you feel about the science now, well, though? So I will say this. I, I, and I honestly mean this. I think we owe a great debt of gratitude to science. Science has, in many ways, helped ease uh, the suffering of this pandemic uh, which was more than likely caused by science. <laughs> so, and that's kind of... What do you, what, what, what do you mean by that? Do you mean like well, so this perhaps was, there's, there's a chance that this was created in a lab, there's an investigation? A chance? Well, but I, so, I, 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 oh my if God. there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. There's I just don't a know. novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. That's just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then they I, ask I, those scientists, they're like, how did this... So wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. <laughs> and you're like, no, I... you." You're the wait, name wait, of your lab. If you look at the name, look at the name. Can I, let me see your business card. Show me your business card. Oh, I work at the coronavirus lab in Wuhan. Oh, because there's a coronavirus loose in Wuhan. How did that happen? Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey and then it sneezed into my chili and now we all have coronavirus. Like, come on. Okay, wait, okay, a, wait, okay. wait a second. Wait a what about second. this? What about wait this? Listen to this. Wait a second. All right. John. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe a steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. Or it's the <laughs> chocolate factory. Maybe that's it. That could be. That could be. So getting back to the fact checkers themselves, we have the right and, and indeed the duty to ask questions. If, if there is a financial conflict of interest or, or a particular bias, 
it's fair to ask who's funding them or uh, what their motivation is. As the old saying or uh, Latin quote goes, qui bono, who benefits? Now I realize it's hard to believe that the mainstream media would lie for many people when they're all so much in lockstep. When we're hearing the same thing, you seem to be verifying the narrative that we hear from so many different media sources. But it's because they are so singularly controlled by so few corporate interests that they can do so. And you need to know that the pharmaceutical industry is one of the most powerful lobbies, one of the biggest industries next to the military in the entire world. A couple interesting facts for you. Uh, first from Statista.com. Uh, global pharma earnings worldwide are $1.74 trillion a year. And then uh, from Spiri.org, global military spending almost $2 trillion. So you have the two largest industries, pharma second only to global military spending. How honest do you think that they will be when the drug companies spend about $5 billion a year on advertising with corporate media outlets. That from trofire.com. And I'll provide all these links in the show notes as well. So you can go check these out for yourself. So for every truthful story that gets out, they've got multiple millions of dollars being spent on, quote, fact checkers to try and counter those facts or anything that doesn't fit the narrative that might cut into their profitability. In a recent article from Natural News, uh, the title, the headline of this article, of course, factcheck.org's COVID project funded by foundation with nearly 16% of its assets in controversial vaccine maker Johnson & Johnson. And thanks to the due diligence of Representative Thomas Massey, Republican from Kentucky, Americans will be alarmed to learn, and people worldwide, I would imagine, to learn that a COVID-19 project initiated by factcheck.org is being funded by a foundation that has 15.9% of its assets invested in one of the COVID vaccine makers, Johnson & Johnson. Yes, that vaccine maker. And uh, from Thomas Massey's uh, recent tweet on Twitter, nothing to see here. Former director of CDC is now CEO of the foundation that funds factcheck.org's vaccine fact-checking program. Roughly 15% of said foundation's assets are J&J stock. Bless your heart if you think factcheck.org is an unbiased source of vaccine information. So knowing that factcheck.org, one of the most prominent major fact-checking organizations on the internet, and also working with uh, tech giant Facebook, Knowing they're funded by Johnson & Johnson to the tune of $1.8 billion for their lobbying group, would you really expect honest reporting from them? Next, I'd like to play you a video, well, audio for you listening on the podcast from a Capital Research Center back in 2017. Uh, let's take a listen to this. Factcheck.org and PolitiFact are two of the nation's most prominent fact-checking organizations. They claim to be nonpartisan. They claim to be honest brokers aiming to separate political rhetoric from the facts. PolitiFact even won a Pulitzer Prize. Unfortunately, in reality, 
Fact-checking sites generate much of the fake news they complain about. Staffed by journalists who lean left, they go easy on claims made by liberals and apply heightened scrutiny to claims made by conservatives. The most egregious example? Even when a Republican and a Democrat say the same thing, the fact-checkers can come to a different conclusion. For example, in 2012, Republican Ron Paul claimed the U.S. federal income tax rate was 0% until 1913. PolitiFact rated that claim half true. In 2015, Democrat Jim Webb made the exact same claim. PolitiFact rated his claim mostly true. These organizations also go well beyond what they're expected to do, attempting to fact-check subjective political rhetoric that shouldn't be fact-checked. Let's go back to just before Election Day 2016, when many in the media were feeling self-satisfied. They thought that they had painted Republican Donald Trump as a liar and proven that Democrat standard-bearer Hillary Clinton was truthful. PolitiFact founder Bill Adair wrote, Is this the post-truth election as people have claimed? No. It's actually the thank-goodness-they're-fact-checkers election. The public disagreed. It turns out Americans trust the fact-checkers as little as they trust politicians. A Rasmussen poll before Election Day found that 62% of likely voters believe media fact-checking skews the facts to help candidates they support. The evidence bears out this view. Factcheck.org said that Donald Trump's claim that Hillary has pledged totally open borders was false, even though she said in a private speech that it was her dream to create a hemispheric common market with open trade and open borders. Factcheck.org tried to explain that away by providing the Clinton talking point that the context for that claim was energy policy. But open borders are clearly open borders regardless of context. Factcheck.org also ruled Donald Trump's claim that Hillary Clinton wants to double down on Obamacare, making it even more expensive, false because Clinton had said she wanted to make health care cheaper. Factcheck took Clinton's opinion at her word without bothering to consider what Clinton's proposed health care policies would actually do to prices. Meanwhile, on PolitiFact, claims from Hillary Clinton that were clearly false were bumped up to half true. PolitiFact rated as half true her claim that what I have put forward does not add a penny to the debt, even after acknowledging that government policy under her leadership would add $9 trillion to the debt over 10 years. A media research center analysis in June found that Trump got the false, mostly false, pants-on-fire labels from PolitiFact's truthometer 77% of the time. Clinton got just false, mostly false, for 26% of her statements. From September through Election Day, Republicans overall got a pants-on-fire ranking 28 times and Democrats got it only four times. Catching politicians in a lie is a worthy endeavor. Fact-checking isn't the problem. The problem is the subjectivity involved in selecting what gets fact-checked and by what means opinions get disguised as fact-checking. While some truths are absolute and beyond dispute, there are matters more in the realm of political opinions that can't easily be sorted into baskets marked true or false. That's what political debates are about. Even PolitiFact's Adair admitted the rankings are subjective, saying, yeah, we're human, we're making subjective decisions. Lord knows a decision about a truthometer rating is entirely subjective. When even PolitiFact employees recognize not everything is black or white, it's time to take the fact out of PolitiFact and see the major fact-checking websites as what they are, purveyors of opinion journalism, not final arbiters of objective truth. 
Liberal journalist Ben Smith wrote five years ago that fact-checkers are doing opinion journalism under pseudo-scientific banners, something that's really corrosive to actual journalism. What was true five years ago is probably even more true today. And I think that's a good bookend for this podcast. I hope it gets you thinking for yourself. Do you agree? Disagree? I'd love to hear from you. Send me your questions or opinions, and let's keep the conversation open. You can email me at john, J-O-H-N, at libertynow.com. Thank you for listening. You are part of the solution. Until next time, be good and keep asking questions.